Welcome to show number 200 of Sunday Social. Yep, if you've been here since show one, you can give yourself a big old pat on the back, have a slice of that cake that I'm sure you have baked specially and uh, are planning to deliver the rest to me here at 3 Flower Street, Eden Terrace. Hey, I'm Vaughan Davis with you right through till 8 o'clock. It's going to be a cracker of a show. I'm quite excited. Show number 200. Uh, You can text me, as always, 3920, keyword live that'll pop up right in front of me you can tweet me always keen for a tweet me at Vaughan Davis and uh, I'll get right back to you in the breaks later on later on Mr Julian Waters I can see him peering peering through the glass with his lovely children who always accompany him to the show isn't that nice Mr Julian Waters with a weather app you're just going to go goo goo gaga over and the tweet that cost one point three billion dollars first though the distant future the distant future it is the distant future the year 2000 we are robots the world is very different ever since the robotic uprising of the mid-90s there is no more unhappiness affirmative we no longer say yes instead We say affirmative. Yes, affirmative. As in real life, there is plenty of nastiness out there on the internet. But luckily, here in New Zealand, an outfit called NetSafe has our digital backs. CEO Martin Cocker runs the show and has come in to talk to us all about it. Martin, you've been on the show before, but you are are pretty much one of the three most important internet people in all of New Zealand. Welcome back to the show. Oh, well, thank you for putting me in the top three. Um, curious to know who the other two are now. Yeah, oh, well, you know, no one wants to know silver and bronze, do they? And also excited to be here on the 200th show. You didn't you didn't tell me that, and I feel bad that I didn't come with a gift. But, I, uh, well, if, I if I had told you, you would have baked some sort of internet cake. Yeah. Um, NetSafe, you hit up an organisation called NetSafe. For those who didn't uh, hear the last time we chatted, which was at least a year ago, I think, um, give us the 101. What is NetSafe? So NetSafe is New Zealand's uh, online safety not-for-profit agency and our job is to help people who have any issue online, basically. Uh, So I can't make my modem connect to the not that sort of issue. Not that sort of issue. Safety issues. Damn. Uh, I mean, you know, you certainly can ring uh, and ask us about that, but we won't know the answer probably. Uh, But if you're being harassed or bullied or or, uh, stalked online, that sort of thing... I probably won't if my modem won't work. No, you'll be safe. That could be your advice. Have you considered unplugging your modem and not plugging it back in There are so many ways that you can connect that even with your unplugged modem, someone will uh, stalk and harass you. Um, In fact, it can be arranged if this uh, show continues like this. Uh, And... You know, you can call NetSafe and we'll we'll help you out. And about a year and a half ago, NetSafe was appointed as something uh, under the Act, the um, Harmful Digital Communications Act. It's called the Approved Agency, uh, but most people will just remember it as NetSafe. And, and so we have a, a f- official, formal function now to to do that to assist people who are being harassed online. So let, let's um, let's talk about that right now. Um, so the Harmful Digital Communications Act was a bit of a, a world trailblazer for New Zealand, came into law a bit over a year ago, and partly so you can complain about, you know, nasty buggers on the internet and they can get prosecuted, and partly so NetSafe can come in and mediate and help make things right. Yeah, that's right. The, the Act had a uh, few components to it. One was that it had a criminal offence of you know, a, a seriously offensive comment and you can uh, have the police prosecute you for, for being seriously offensive online now and I stress that that is 
seriously. You have to be at the top end. So of not not just my not just my um, post swimming selfies. They're not they're not offensive enough. They're uh, quite offensive. No, they they'd fall more into the net safe category, which is uh, non criminal offending. Icky, icky. Yeah, the sort of sort of thing we could do without. Uh, and what what happens? There's a process which. The end part of the process is that you can go to the district court and make a request to have content removed from the internet. Uh, as you know, that's actually a very difficult uh, thing to have happen. And so instead of instead of going straight to the district court, the, the Act channeled you through NetSafe, and NetSafe's job is to try to find a resolution before we get to that stage. So this is this is person-to-person stuff. This isn't, say, you know, a, a, a news organisation posts something about Martin. This is Vaughan posts something about Martin. It's gross or it's wrong or it's hurtful and, and you don't, you want to do something about yeah, it. Yeah, there's three parts to, the, to, to what creates a harmful digital communication. The first is that it's exactly that. It's between individuals. The, the second is that it breaches a communications principle. There's ten principles laid out in the Act and they basically reflect New Zealand law. And then the third part is that it has to be offensive, sorry, has to cause harm. And, and that's actually the complicated part, the the harm part. The the other parts are fairly uh, fairly easy to, to ascertain. From NetSafe's perspective, if you if you feel you meet those first two thresholds, we say call us, we'll help you out. Uh, you know, if you go to court, you're going to have to prove that, th- that third threshold of harm. But at NetSafe, we'll help you out if you hit the first two. So you've been the approved agency for a year. Has it been a busy job? Have people been lining up to complain about each other you know, under the Harmful Digital Communications Act? Yeah, uh, so we get about 50 complaints a week under the That's HTC. That's quite a few. Yeah, it's, it is and it isn't. We also did some uh, research that showed that one, one in three people in New Zealand, this is adults, said that they had been uh, harassed on the internet. So something that would sort of appear to be a harmful digital communication they'd receive some of that and then a third of those so one in nine New Zealanders said that they had one of the uh, a harmful communication that caused them to do something in their life uh, which you would consider to be harm they didn't want to go to school they didn't want to go to work or mm-hmm. they didn't want to go on the internet uh, so when you think about that that's hundreds of thousands of people every year having a negative experience online uh, and so the 50 that are getting through to us are, you know I guess the 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 people who can't find a resolution from the industry tools or can't find a resolution from the tools that are available to them. And so so by industry tools, you mean, you know, on all these networks we're on, on Twitter and Instagram, Snapchat, whatever, there's always a report button, right? There's always a, a dob, you know, dob in the, the tweeter button. That's right, yeah. So there's uh, reporting options, banning, blocking, all those sorts of things. And for a lot of people uh, who are being, you know, harassed by someone online, those tools will be good enough to get them the resolution they're looking for. The people who come to NetSafe tend to tend to be uh, they've tried those things and they, they've failed. They're being uh, harassed across multiple platforms, uh, or, or uh, you know those those people that they've complained to haven't taken their complaint seriously and they want some assistance. So you must work pretty closely then with the people they would complain to. So the you know Twitter, Facebook, even you know Trade Me, Instagram, Snapchat, people like that. Yeah, we work very closely with them. Is the the truth? Uh, the from Facebook's perspective or Google or, or Trade you know, they don't really want people, the, the users, people using their platforms to have a negative experience. They, they, they don't want these kind of outcomes. Uh, you know, they don't want to try to be the arbitrators of disputes because that's incredibly difficult when you've got 2 billion users. But Although, uh, although Facebook now has, what, thousands of people, you know, physical people around the world dealing with this stuff, right? Yeah, they do. They do. I mean, it's a massive problem for them and, you know... Facebook is a very popular platform and, unfortunately, a place where we see a lot of abuse and harassment. Uh, and, and 
you know, the, the sorts of things that people have disputes about online, some of them are clear cut for Facebook to resolve, but some of them are, are tremendously complicated. And uh, Facebook needs partners. They need people like NetSafe to say, look, we know the local background of this. We yeah, know this so the on-the-ground nuance that the person in the call centre in Dublin might not quite understand. Exactly. So what's, what's in those 50 complaints a week that uh, make it to you, what, what sort of things are you dealing with? What are people complaining about? What are people doing? Well, they, they spread across the communications principles quite uh, quite well. So the 10 different principles cover everything from sort of a breach of privacy through grossly offensive content to, to sort of harassment behaviour. And, and when we look at the complaints we get, we get complaints across all of those. Uh, you know, I mean, the sorts of things that people are doing, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're relentlessly harassing someone that they've known in the past. They're um, releasing or threatening to release sensitive images or information that they've had from that. Uh, or, you know, we get quite a few, and these are the most difficult ones to resolve, where people are posting information about somebody that the other person claims is patently false and also harmful because obviously we can say lots of false things about people. But if, if we're saying that somebody is a, a, a lawyer but is not qualified as a lawyer or a doctor is not qualified as a doctor, that is a harmful thing to post about somebody. Also, but it, it, it's quite a lot of detective work on your part, right? Yeah, to, and to, to then you know unpick well you know is is that actually untrue? Yeah, and that's where um, NetSafe's in an interesting position because we're not an enforcement agency and we mm. don't have investigative powers. We can't deep dive into people's computers and things like that. We take the information that's available publicly and we make a, a, a our best uh, estimation as to what is true or what isn't true. But actually, what we're trying to do is we're trying to work with the parties to a dispute to to find an outcome. If somebody posts that somebody isn't a, a practicing lawyer when they are a lawyer or, or they don't or they didn't go to radio host school yeah exactly perhaps. something like that yeah then then what we do is we uh we you know we talk to both the parties one of them knows it's not true what they're saying or is true uh and so we try to get a resolution that way and if we can't they can always go to the district court they can have it out there but people don't really want that option and of those 50 what what percentage would end up in the district court a very small number have gone through the district court less than 20 have process through in the last year. So one every couple of weeks. And and many successful prosecutions under the uh, the new Act? N- there are pros- successful prosecutions under the criminal provision, yes. Uh, 140-odd uh, cases have been brought under that and I think 70 or 80 of them are processed through. The bulk of those getting a pos- uh, getting a successful prosecution. Under the civil process, there isn't actually a prosecution outcome. The, the judge right. makes a decision and, and tells people they need to go off and behave, basically, or take content down. Uh, and that's proving to be a lot more difficult, which is exactly why NetSafe was put in the middle of that process, because we know that the law is not particularly effective uh, against these kinds of problems. Hey, talking to Martin Cocker from NetSafe, back after this. It's Sunday Social, an hour dedicated to social media with Vaughan Davis. Hey, welcome back to Sunday Social and with me in the studio, thanks for coming in on a Sunday night, Martin. Martin Cocker from NetSafe, how are you? I'm good, I'm good. I'm good. Well, you, you haven't had your dinner, though. I haven't. You'll be starving. You'll be what? starving. You, your answers will make no sense. Two, 200th episode, I was assuming there'd be cake for everybody. I will. A lot, of us, a lot of us were assuming there would be cake. Yeah. Martin, I, I for one. I for one. Saskia, Julian, everyone here was assuming there would be cake. Enough of the cake that isn't here. Hey, before the break, we were talking about the Harmful Digital Communications Act and what you do when there's a complaint. What we didn't talk about is how to actually complain. If you if you feel you've been you know, slighted, harmed, maligned, harmed mainly uh, by someone else's content on the internet, what do you do? Yeah, so it's... 
simple. What, what you do is either call NetSafe, 0508 NetSafe, or you uh, jump onto our website, netsafe.org.nz, and uh, report. There's a report button. Just put in a report. The key thing is that uh, you... You don't. You're not committing yourself to a big process. If you if you make contact with NetSafe, all you're doing is you're committing yourself to a conversation with NetSafe about where your options are. And if you don't want to progress it, that's fine. So it's, it's not, not a, like suddenly you're going to be standing up in court and in front of the. No, bad absolutely person. not. We're not going yeah. to force you to carry on <clears throat> if you decide that you know after talking through the options you don't want to follow them. That's fine. That our job is to lay out what your options are and to help you. That that's all. So, you know, give us a call or jump on a website and and get the process started and you know see where it goes. So that's keeping yourself safe from, you know, nasty buggers on the internet. The other, or one of the other big focuses for NetSafe is keeping yourself safe from scams. And uh, I've been wanting to talk to you about this for ages, but you did something rather interesting last year with a, a bot. Bots, bots are hot these days. Uh, a bot yeah. called Rescam. Yeah. Tell us about that. Yeah, so um, Rescam was, we've turned it off, <laughs> it was such a big, uh, it, it generated so much traffic, but it, it the idea was that you could just forward a scam to it and it would... Uh, so forward an email scam. Forward an email D- scam. Dear Martin, I am Nigerian Prince, et cetera, et yeah. cetera. Mm. Yeah, yeah, so you forwarded this to this Rescam bot. It uh, changed the person, you know, got rid of your details and then it engaged with the scammers on your behalf and it had a series of personalities and it tried to uh, drag the conversation out with the scammers as long as possible. The theory being that if they are talking to our bot, they're not talking to somebody and then pushing, progressing people towards uh, towards you know losing money. So that's exactly the uh, the tactic I used to apply when I had a landline and Microsoft would call. Yeah, you know, you, the, my end game because I have nothing better to do in my life was to see how long I would keep them on the phone because while they're on the phone to me, they weren't on the phone to my mum. Yeah, I mean, the answer to so many of these problems that technology has brought and scams, you know, online scams being one of them, is in technology. We've just got to, you know, work out how to use it. Uh, and so the Rescam was an email, you know, scam response system, but there's no reason why you couldn't in the future, I guess, in the near future, use that same kind of technology to to engage scammers who phone people, uh, you know, who text people, et cetera. Uh, and, you know, basically, if they get flooded with crap back from our systems uh scamming becomes It'll just get too yeah, hard. It becomes an unprofitable business so you know for us it was a chance to prove the concept and and uh run a pilot really and uh you know it it got hundreds of thousands of emails sent to it and uh it got coverage all around the world so people were really interested in it. it's a something that you know really annoys people uh scammers but you shut it down because it was basically melting your email servers. Yeah, basically, it's a, it, you know, from NetSafe's perspective, our main job is you know the harmful digital communications and bullying and harassment online, and the scam thing is something we do a little bit on the side. We give people advice every day on scams. We you know people ring us all the time, interested in you know getting some information about scams and what they can do to get out of them often. Uh, but it's not our primary business, and it's something which is uh, it's 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 a bit of a headache generally that there is no particular focus on scams in this country there's, there's, no, there's no there's no one agency there's no yeah. agency so there's, there's consumer yeah. but they're you know they're busy reviewing you know washing machines yeah. and then there's the commission for financial capability but they're busy trying to work out how to replace that gorgeous mouse they got rid of so, yeah, so there's I, no focused agency i'm i'm I mean, we could talk about the loss of the mouse for a while. I, I, oh, I like miss, the mouse. I miss yeah. that. I think everyone liked that yeah. mouse. Um, but, you know, mouse is gone. Uh, but you're quite right. Each what of these agencies... It's, just, it's, it's, it's a digital mouse, Martin. Oh, it's it's a, just in a hard drive. They could, they could just download it. 
Okay. It'll, it'll be away. I'm going to start a campaign for that. But but Bring you're right. Each mouse. of these different agencies has a sort of a, a, a part-time interest in scams. And, and I would like to see uh, somebody uh, put in a position where they have, you know, a responsibility to do something about them and they're, you know, supported by, not perhaps not by legislation, but certainly by funding uh, to, to try to combat it rather than lots of us doing little bits and pieces which aren't so effective. Like, like an, an internet scam ombudsman or something. Yeah, I'm not... <laughs> or a commissioner. Call, I'm not going to call for an ombudsman or, or a commissioner, but but certainly, you know, one of the agencies is working in this space. SARS could, are good. Um, yeah, we should have one of those. We should have lots of those. But but somebody just getting uh, a chance to really uh, take it on because, you know, we know that money is leaving the country in significant you know, volumes as a result of scams. So as well as this sort of um, negotiation slash enforcement role through the Harmful Digital Communications Act and the occasional part-time um, scam dalliance, you've got a big education role and you've just brought out a resource called Staying Safe Online. Tell me about that. Yeah, so we talked earlier about the fact that you know lots of people are successfully using the tools that are available to them to resolve the issues that they face online, uh, but often people just don't know where to start. So the idea of the Staying Safe Online Guide is that for the major platforms and partners of NetSafe, there's information about how to do those things of banning and reporting and blocking and, and to, to maintain your privacy on them. Just practical steps. The, all that information is provided by the partners. I mean, one of the things about Staying Safe Online Guide that I, I really enjoy is the fact that all of those different partners who are in there all come and provide content and, and support NetSafe. Uh, and, you know, if you are being harassed on one of those platforms, you know, get the guide from, from NetSafe and use that as a starting point to, to sorting out your uh, challenges. And, and how do people get this guide? Uh, so it's called the Staying Safe Online Guide. Again, it's at the netsafe.org.nz website. Uh, it's probably flagged on the front page, but if it isn't, just search for Staying Safe Online. So we've, we've sort of covered the major partners, you know, the obvious things, you know, your Facebook, Google, um, Trade Me, Twitter, Snapchat, things like that. Yeah. How much of the harassment, how much of the um, awfulness is, is happening in sort of dark, dirty corners and apps that, you know, parents might not have heard of or even NetSafe might not have heard of? You know, is this proliferation, particularly of chat apps and, and anonymous chat apps, is, is, that, is that part of your focus? Yeah, it is. I mean, there's obviously a lot of uh, stuff that goes on off the main platforms, uh, which is harassment. You find most of the people who run those platforms, no matter how small they are, right down to sort of, you know, one-man band sort of uh, apps, don't want the harassment and the problem on their on their apps. They quite like the fact that NetSafe calls them and says, look, we, we can help you sort this out. Uh, so we've found that most people are really uh, constructive and, and uh, happy to hear from NetSafe and, and, you know, to do the right thing by their users. Uh, you know, one of the things that always surprises me is we, you know, we think of things like uh, pornography sites as the sort of you know darkest parts of the internet. But the people who run those sites respond really, really quickly when you tell them that content that's been put up there is, uh, you know, there illegally or as, a, as an offence. Uh, they they can be, you know, remarkably constructive to work with. Because I guess they're you know fairly high stakes businesses. That that's correct. Yeah. yeah. So NetSafe has been going for how many years now? Uh, well, nearly 20. Depends where you, what you count. Uh, is the, the beginning. The is a lot of not-for-profits. They, they and, started with just meetings. Yeah. And a lot of that was involved in education. Yeah. Uh, you've been there a few years yourself. Yeah. Are we seeing a more educated, net-savvy, um, younger population coming through? Is it working? Oh, there's no question that, that young people are increasingly capable uh, of using technology. Um, you know, like anybody, they, they struggle with the, the sort of rapid change um, the, and the fact that, you know, you get new environments that, that pop up and they have new ways of, 
of harassing people. Uh, but, you know, we, we, I definitely say over the time that I've been with NetSafe and, and a little bit before working in the IT industry that the, the education sector generally is promoting this idea of digital citizenship much more successfully now than it was 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that, you know, young people are learning a lot of the skills to stay safe online at school. Uh, you know, I, I think they often have the skills to, to stay safe online, but, you know, if someone is harassing you, if someone decides to, to abuse you, then it doesn't matter how skilled you are or clever you are, that's something that you may need help with. It's, it's sort of become the new, um, you know, parent-child talk, hasn't it? You know, before online pornography, you used to have to talk, teach your children about sex. You don't anymore, of course. Uh, but staying safe online, if I, if I was to sit down with, uh, you know, say an eight-year-old... Oh, in fact, there's the question... When should you be having the chat with your your kids about staying safe online? When yeah, when when's the time? Uh, th- well, as soon as you, your children are, are coming into touch with um, technology, you should start to have those conversations uh, around it. So, um, a classic, you know, we often play games with our kids on the Xbox uh, when the kids are very little, and uh, you know, if we if we go into something which has a, a community area like Minecraft or something, there's a perfect opportunity to talk about the other people. Who might they be? What might they say? So what we're doing is we're just seeding the idea that they're different people. Some of them are good, some of them are bad, that kind of thing. Uh, before we give uh, young people technology, which they are just free to access the internet on, then we've got to have all the more serious talks. We've got to talk to them about you know, content that they're going to find offensive. We're going to talk to them about the fact that they may, fa- may be approached by other people that you know, would wish them harm, et cetera. But you know, like any parenting challenge, you know, the key thing is that the, your child feels safe coming to talk to you when something goes wrong, whether it's online or offline or, or anywhere. Uh, and so that's the thing we're trying to set up. And there are two things that, that, that create that. One, your child feels safe when they come and tell you bad news. And the other is that the, the child respects your knowledge of things and, and specifically of technology. So you do have to take an interest in the technology. And, and of course, just like the sex talk, the big, the big problem for a parent is, uh, you know, ooh, do I even know what I'm talking about in, in the first place? So, you know, before that uh, child or mokapuna um, conversation happens, uh, the best advice probably is to head to netsafe.org.nz. That would be my advice, yes. Hey, Martin Cocker from NetSafe, thanks so much for joining us on Sunday Social. Thank you. It's a pleasure. Hashtag Sunday Social, Radio Live. Hashtag Sunday Social. What even is a hashtag, Julian Waters? Let's, 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 uh, let's bust some jargon. Because you hear hashtag this, hashtag that, and there's probably people listening who don't even know what one is and what its history is. Hit well, me. Let's enlighten the... <laughs> The listeners, I used to think they were pretty stupid because it's the uh, the hash symbol. Or the pound Or key. the pound symbol, yes. Uh, uh, with a word afterwards, a continuous string of letters and numbers. If you leave a space, then your hashtag Doesn't work. ends. Uh, so you're, you could have... Uh, well, what it does, it, if you click on a hashtag <clears throat> on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook, you will see any post where that hashtag has been used, which makes it kind of handy to... To follow a topic, so it could be something as simple as hashtag rugby or hashtag tennis, and you'll see a whole bunch of posts along those lines. Or it could be something unique and special, for example, hashtag Sunday Social with Vaughan Davis. Or how about hashtag Sunday Social Show Two Hundred? Where is my cake? Exactly, and there will be a select number of tweets or posts. So with you, that. Could follow, you could follow the whole conversation. And and do you happen to know who invented the hashtag, Julian? Ah, I, I, no, I do know no. that, but do I can't you? remember the I name. Don't. No, it was yeah. it was just some user on Twitter. So, like so many things on Twitter, 
Uh, and, that, and then it spread to Instagram and, uh, and Facebook. It wasn't invented by the platform. It was just invented by a person because they thought this would be a useful thing. If, if anyone looks it up, I think it's Chris Messina. Uh, I think he worked for Google or something. Or, or it was a venture capitalist or something at the Hash, time. Hashtag useful. So mm. uh, someone can tweet me at Vaughan Davis and, and tell me whether or not that is the case. Hey, um, oh, how's your, how's your digital week been, Julian? Digital week. How's the internet been? It's been riveting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's interesting, isn't it? You know, we've sort of. I feel like we're at an interesting stage with social media and apps. You know, it's the iPhone's ten years old. We've had social media platforms for a I while now. I used to have it's, an iPhone. Yes, and then in the darkness befall you, befell you. Then the public but, relations fairy came calling and uh, <laughs> look at me with my Huawei. And, mm. and somehow you've survived and I, I don't quite know how you manage no, it. Because, mate, I love it. Very happy, very mm. happy. But yes, yes, yes. Yeah, it's I'm sort of wondering what the next thing is or what's going to happen next, you know. Can everything keep changing this fast all the time? Oh, uh, we had a turning point. Well, mm. interesting, there was some um, numbers out from Facebook uh, last week, I think, week before, that said uh, for the first time ever, from the first time since Mark Zuckerberg sat down at his, uh, you know, dormitory at Harvard, for the first time ever, the monthly users in Facebook, in the States at least, has gone down. Not by much. I think it was from 146 million to 145 million, but it's the first time it's ever gone down. I wonder if that was partly because they're redesigned or just people are getting over it or they've reached critical mass and it just can't keep growing, I wonder. Well, America's growing. Competition. America's more, growing. There's more people, you know, the population's right. growing. Mm. Um, you know, there's all sorts of reasons have been put forward. I mean, part of it is, you know, the controversy around um, the, uh, you know, fake, whole fake news and uh, election interference allegations in the States and, you know, a lot of, lot of ads being bought by dubious people. Um, but I believe, I believe one of the reasons is... Facebook is trying to be everything for everyone, and so it's trying to mm-hmm. give everything from you know your hard news to your your kittens. Although, have you seen that gif? My favourite gif of the day: the kid with a pigeon. Have you seen the kid with the pigeon? I haven't, I haven't seen. I'm going to tweet it. I'm going to tweet it. Um, if, if you if you want to Google something in the ad break while you're listening to the ads, people, while you're listening to the ads, um, Google gif kid with pigeon. It's very funny. Um, my theory of why Facebook might perhaps be peaking and might be about to, you know, turn a corner in a bad way, is that in trying to do everything, it's driven people to the fringes. So people are looking for the for the hard news, especially business news. I think they're going to LinkedIn. And, you know, LinkedIn is going up and up and up. The LinkedIn news feed is becoming more and more relevant. And if they want, uh, you know, fluffy kittens, they're going to Instagram and Pinterest. Interesting. Uh, Interesting. Just, just leave, leaving Facebook stuck in the middle. The, the, the sad part of it all is... It almost feels like someone needs to now invent a platform where you can follow what your friends are doing. Because for some reason that seems to be not something, you know... Just that. Just know, that. Like, sometimes the sort of thing... It's called Facebook 10 years ago. It's called Facebook 10 exactly, years exactly. ago. Exactly. You know, and, and I say that, yet at the same time, say if, if there's a Grand Slam on or something, if any, any regular listener will know, I'm a big tennis fan, it's great, that's a great way to see the news because it does filter it well and it shows me the most relevant things first because it knows what I'm interested in. So I really like it for that. But on the same token, sometimes I just want to connect with real my, my real human being friends uh, without having to sort of call Show them up off. in the middle of the night and disrupt them, you know, um, because they probably won't answer my call because we're not that good friends. But I want to pretend that they're good friends and feel like they're sharing things with me and that, I, that if I click like or if I comment, that matters to them and have that kind of connection. But yet I feel like people can't, don't want to share. I mean, I know I don't share that much on Facebook anymore because, I don't know, it just doesn't feel like that's what's happening in well, that platform. Do, do you know what I reckon Facebook should do? And this is, this is a billion-dollar idea, and Zuck, uh, I know you're listening, um, 
they should have a toggle and the toggle on Facebook, you can toggle Facebook from uh, business time to home time. And when you're on business time, you get a little bit more commercial content, you get a bit more hard news. When you're on home time, you get a bit more friends and family and kitten videos. But I, I, I'd, I'd do that yeah, toggling. I think, I think that makes a lot of sense. I remember years ago I was really into this app path which was like a meant to be a social network just for friends and family it was a very yeah, small like you could, I remember that you were restricted to 25 friends at the start and I, and I actually was ex- engaged with the CEO on Twitter and said to him yeah you need the two tabs one tab for people that I really know that are close friends another tab for following the world at large but I, th- I think the reason these companies don't do that is because they love their own algorithms so much to, to, they want to work that stuff out themselves yeah. eh? hey um, one thing Facebook is doing though and boy oh boy they're trying everything uh, one thing they are doing is uh, putting a bit of energy into an app that I, I had never used before, before until you talked about it, uh, called Facebook. New. Well, I think it existed in some form, mm. but uh, mm. it's sort of gone big as an app. Uh, Facebook Local. Tell me about that and why yes. you want it. So, so I got a, a notification or something from Facebook saying, hey, you should download this local thing. And I guessed what it would be, and I downloaded it and had a play, and, and it is. So... Uh, if if you use Facebook to the extent that you RSVP for events on it or you say, hey, I'm interested in that upcoming event, uh, Facebook then starts telling you, you know, so-and-so, Vaughan and 10 of your friends are going to events tomorrow. And you click on it and you sort of see that the same people are going to 100 events at the same time and I don't know how they manage it. But uh, So Facebook can be a good way of discovering what's going on around you sometimes. So they've seem to have t- uh, taken that feature and they've created a whole app out of it. So mm. you can both see uh, events that are upcoming, be it like it's a concert, it's a festival, uh, and which of your friends have expressed an interest in those events. But then you can also say, uh, I'm looking, like if you're bored or you want to eat somewhere, you can do the same thing. I mean, there's been a million apps that do the same thing, but this is this is an app with the power of Facebook behind it where you can say, where's a nearby bar? And, it, and if more of your friends have gone there and, you know, liked it or or whatever, then, then that will sort of be highlighted. So it's smarter than just looking at a map and saying what's nearby. Um, yeah, yeah, so, so that... it's sort of fil- it's filtering, filtering three things. It's filtering geography, so... It's mobile-based, so it's near where you are. Which is useful. Uh, For events, it's filtering time, but then it's overlaying the ones that your friends are going to or people like you are going to. So it's not just a a raw feed of stuff that's happening or places to go. I quite like it. I quite like it. It reminded me that uh, I should go to Kaluzi Bar, which is uh, just up on K Road. That was made famous by um, the Callaghan uh, fund, I believe, had a, night, a great night out. A great night out, not not long ago at Kaluzi Bar for quite the, quite expensive, quite expensive. Interesting. But they uh, didn't invite me. No, they didn't. Yeah. Or and and, and, and and rather lovely. Uh, it's, it's inviting me to the King's Arms, which which may or may not have closed now. Didn't they have yes. their last their last ever thing? So so it's mm. called Facebook Local. Sure. It's mm. available for Android and uh, and Apple. And because really, it's just a way of um, you know selling you ads curated ads uh, is free hmm, looks quite nice looks quite nice I'm, I'm going to give it a go I'm going to give it a go and uh, and see if I can uh, expand my repertoire of eating drinking and being entertained places now no fun there's no fun Julian in going to these places on your own so I've got a dating site just for you <laughs> I don't think this one's for me but well, I'm not <laughs> going. I'm not going to make any presumptions about your uh, your political preference. So this is a dating site 
just for Donald Trump fans. It's called Trump.dating. Who knew that .dating was a top-level domain extension? Seems it is. Trump.dating. And it promises you to find your pro-Trump match today. Make dating great again. There's lots of white people on the front page. Surprisingly. There are lots of white people on the front page. Interestingly, mm. um, one, until they changed the front page a week ago, there was a, a white person called, uh, can you believe this guy's name, Barrett Riddleberger. Barrett Riddleberger. Um, I shouldn't mock the guy. Uh, yes, I should, because uh, actually he's a, um, a convicted sex offender. Look at that. Indecent liberty with a child. That He was the poster child for uh, Trump.dating. So on the one hand... It's ridiculous. But on the other hand, turns out there's this whole genre, you dig a bit deeper, it's uh, a company that has 75 themed dating sites. It's, they're, all, they're all Americans, so unless you go into the States, you're not going to meet the, you know, the, the, the person of your dreams. But uh, it's niche, you know. If, if you want to, um, you know, meet other radio hosts, there's probably a radio host dating site. Radio hosts are very sexy. Uh, or other people who are into tennis, there's probably a tennis dating site. So not such a silly mm. idea. Could use a local tennis dating site. That'd be all right. That would be good. Mm. That would be good because, you know, just whacking it against the wall is no fun at all. That's what I like to say. Hey, and welcome to the future of the internet. And Julian Waters live in the studio. How are you? Yeah, good. I'll tell you, good. What, I'll tell you what is not the future of the internet, and that is Snapchat. Doesn't you know, seem to be. Well, it doesn't seem to be. Um, so, so... Kyle Jenner, Kylie Jenner, Kylie Jenner. I get, I get my, I get my Kardashians all mixed up. I'm not good. I'm, I'm not, I'm not your Women's Day demographic. But she tweeted, she tweeted to her bazillions of followers. So does anyone else not open Snapchat anymore, or is it just me? Ugh, this is so sad. So she tweeted that. She got seventy-one thousand retweets. 352,000 likes, but those are not the numbers that matter. Here is the number that matters. It wiped out, I can't believe this, $1.3 billion off the uh, market capitalization of Snapchat, or the, the, um, the, the parent company Snap. Mm. Can you believe that? I can. The power of influence on the internet. It's, uh, well, something rises on a trend, it's bound to fall on them if, it, as well, isn't it? On, on the... The tastes of you know the 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 whim the whim. Yeah, she's a, she's, a yeah. whim, she's a whim influencer she, <laughs> she just she just influences on a whim did but you just invent that too I did whim influencer um, eleven minutes later though she followed up with a still love you though snap my first love um, saying Snapchat was fine but it was too late it was too late one point three billion dollars it's like it's like Bitcoin it evaporated that fast can you believe it I asked a fourteen year old this morning for some insight into this matter because I you know I never went crazy for Snapchat and some of the <coughs> features most that were most popular were adopted by Instagram anyway which made life a lot easier for me because I'd already worked out how to use that uh, and get well grown a you know followed a bunch of people people had followed me but uh, I think there's some more to this Snapchat did a redesign that favored friends as opposed to just people you were following like uh, Kylie Jenner so there's some suggestion that there was a you know perhaps oh, some reason there was some cranky blood Possibly, yeah, but it's been very unpopular, the, the Snapchat redesign, so I think this tweet uh, and the, the reception it received was, was quite a sort of a, um, yeah, perhaps a stake in the ground that the uh, market reacted to quite strongly, but uh, apparently the CEO still earned 
half a billion dollars in salary for the year anyway. So You know what? This yeah. is just so stupid we're going to stop talking about it. <laughs> yeah. We're never going to talk oh. about Snapchat again on the show. Uh, we are going to talk about, though, an online uh, electric car sharing scheme that's just started up in Christchurch. Hmm. Do, do people go to Christchurch? I suppose that well, if you're already in Christchurch, if you're already in Christchurch and you want to sort of ease the fact that you are in Christchurch, this might make it a bit better. Uh, it's called Yugo, which sounds like a dessert, doesn't it? Yugo. Why double O G O. and it's an electric car sharing thing. Tell us about that. Yeah, this is not stupid. Like I didn't say it was stupid. About. No, that you said Snapchat was stupid. We never talk about it again. But sharing electric cars is just a tick in so many boxes. I am carless at the moment, so I'm using all other ways of getting around. You could and move to Christchurch. <laughs> well, yeah, I could. Um, I don't like the cold though. But yes, or, or the hot, um, or the well, yeah, or the hot. Although dry heat's all right, so maybe it would be okay. But yes, the. the um, Yugo has uh, got, uh, with help or partnership from the council, has got a hundred of these cars, and you, they're sort of positioned at various places around the city where you can just go and uh, you join. You, you go and pick up the car, you drive where you need to go, and then you bring it back and park it in one of the designated spots, uh, and you just pay per hour. So it's um, yeah, forty cents a minute, fourteen dollars fifty per hour, or ninety five dollars a day. So $95, that's not too bad because these are, these are fancy cars. Well, mm. one's a Hyundai. I don't know if that is fancy. But, one, you know, the other ones are BMWs and they are fancy. Um, $95 a day or, uh, or $14.50 an hour, that could work. But there's, you kind of wonder, you, kind of, you have to try it, I suppose. But, you know, these things take three or four hours to charge. So, you know, you use it, use it for a couple of hours and then it's... Mm, they Unavailable. Also have, they have charges around the city You'd too, hope. I believe. So, yeah, and most most of our tr- trips are not more than three hours anyway. So, I think yeah, it could could sort of work in with how you're getting around and what you're doing in general. But um, it, it's it's interesting. It's cool having these these sort of options. You know, you can own your own vehicle, or if you don't really need to do that, you could use a car sharing service, or maybe you just Uber or. Taxi around. Well, there's, well. A, there's a bunch of them. I mean, um, we've talked about your drive before, and you've mm. used it. Yes. Um, you know, run by a, or founded by an Auckland guy, Oscar Ellison. Uh, so the idea, you know, the, the insight that your drive is based on is that for most of us, our cars sit idle for 95 percent of the time. So, you know, why other than vanity would you own your own car? And I guess, I guess, um, Hugo is tapping into that whole thing. You know, and, and you get exactly. a bit of vanity from driving around in a fancy electric car anyway, even if you don't own it. And you look smart. You go, oh, yeah, I, don't, I didn't buy it. Didn't buy it. No, you just rented it. I, I know some people quite well who could own any car that's ever been built or sold commercially, and they that's what they choose to drive, BMW electric or something like that, because that's it's just it makes most sense. It's it's. Yeah, logical and sensible, and it is the trendy cool thing. Too. So you go y o o g o share dot co dot nz live now in Christchurch. Give it a go and let me know how it went. Now the the last bit of news I want to talk about. This is really really interesting because I think this is kind of industry shaking stuff, and it comes from SpaceX. There's a link here, because SpaceX, famously um, week before last, rocketed an electric car into space, didn't they? 
Elon, yeah. Elon Musk, you're 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 a, you're a nutter. Guy. You're a nutter, Elon Musk. They 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 rocketed an electric car into space, and I think they wanted to get it to Mars, but they miscalculated a little bit, and it's in the asteroid belt or something like that. It's got a robot in it. That's quite cool. Um, but more interestingly uh, to me is what they're going to launch this week. Yes, so SpaceX ships things into space on a fair click these days. Uh, mostly paid for by other people, but they're, they're sending some of their own little toys up into space. And the idea, this is just the start of something, but the idea is they're going to establish this big constellation of 12,000 satellites that'll be circling the globe, beaming internet down to the whole planet. Let's just say that again. 12,000 satellites beaming internet to anywhere on the globe. That's... You'd think it was insane if you didn't know that Elon Musk had already started an electric car company and a rocket company. But, yeah, this would change a lot of things. This would change... Especially if it worked. ...every flipping thing. Because why would you need Wi-Fi? Why would you need a a, a mobile connection? Why would you need fibre? Why would you need Spark? Why would you need Vodafone? Why would you need Two Degrees? When Elon Musk and his 12,000 probably not evil satellites are orbiting the world providing the internet. Yeah, it's the imagination. Yeah, yeah. So it would definitely change a lot of economics in that sense. I mean, the, the question if it's as fast as anything else, um, that would be amazing. Even beyond just that, ne- never mind even our New Zealand situation, what about places in the world where there is currently no internet? You can be in the middle of the Amazon jungle or something or the deserts in, in Africa and you just pull out your device and you're on the internet the same as we are or the same as you are in America. You, you, be could, be, you could be driving in the, in the, um, you know, the, the, the black spots of Christchurch in your, in your Yugo BMW i3 and you'd still be online thanks to Elon Musk. But the, the mm. thing is it just, it just you know, bypasses all of the infrastructure that all of these telcos all around the world are you know, constantly spending billions to put in place. So if I'm Spark, I'm sitting there going, well, what do we do? What's our business if this thing is up there and it works? Uh, so um, SpaceX, uh, Elon Musk's SpaceX, in addition to the two satellites that it's launching next week, so baby steps, in addition to those, it, it plans to have the entire 12,000 up and have 40 million subscribers by uh, 2025 uh, with $30 billion of revenue in, in that year. And if that works, it's just one-way traffic, right? Well, yeah. apart from when they come back down and, you know, <laughs> drop land on our heads. But you, you wonder what they'll do in countries like China where they want to censor everything. Or are they going to start trying to shoot them down or that's, something? That's right. So the, 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 the political aspects of this, and, you know, talk to Martin in, in the first half, you know, where does data sovereignty uh, begin and end when you're not getting your internet from New Zealand? It's not coming through anything in New Zealand. You're basically getting your, your information all from, you know, Elon Musk or, or Google's network of satellites. You know, they're doing balloons. Mm. Or Facebook's um, network of, of, um, of high-flying airplanes, which they're also doing. So now We've got SpaceX, Google, and Facebook all trying to provide global telecommunications uh, solutions, which is which is scary, awesome, interesting, and frightening. And a very good note, 
upon which to end show number 200 of Sunday Social. We started four years ago. You've been here for the last year, Julian. You've been a great part of it. Thank you so much for coming along tonight. Martin Cocker from NetSafe. He was a wonderful first-half guest. Saskia, our technical producer. Next up, the Weekend Variety Wireless. Do enjoy that. I'm Vaughan Davis, 99.